At Sephora, we know how you love to use makeup, skincare, hair care, and fragrances that work for you, but also how important it is to be in the know about the ingredients that are in them, which is why we created Clean at Sephora, curated products from brands like Merit, Amica, Summer Fridays, and Fleur that have everything you want, minus certain ingredients you might not. Clean at Sephora is only at Sephora. Shop now at Sephora.com. Though it was much more of a protest than a celebration, the Boston Tea Party happened 247 years ago today. If you enjoy this episode, follow Today in True Crime. Every day, we travel back in time to relive the biggest events in true crime history, from the infamous to the just plain interesting. Follow Today in True Crime, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. On this day in 1773, American colonists ransacked three ships at Griffin's Wharf and dumped 342 chests of tea into Boston Harbor. The Boston Tea Party, as it came to be known, was one of the country's first public protests. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Alastair Murden of Medical Murders. His show delves into the sordid stories of medical professionals who violated their oaths and harmed their patients. Alastair is here to discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story, while I'll cover the narrative. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to dive into the Boston Tea Party. Now let's go back to 1773, as the colonists in Boston put the final touches on their plans. Hearts pounded throughout the city. Disgruntled men had gathered in offices, taverns, alleyways, and apartments, all waiting for the same signal. These weren't rabble-rousers or criminals, but rather men who'd felt betrayed by their motherland, oppressed by their government. They were craftsmen, laborers, merchants, political leaders, and they'd simply had enough. For years, the British had been unfairly taxing them to support British interests, like the military and the East India Company. Colonists had been forced to pay exorbitant fees for goods like paper, glass, lead, and, most importantly, tea. The Americans had rebelled against these taxes in the late 1760s, and through their boycotts and demonstrations, succeeded in getting the British to drop most of the duties. Tea, however, remained under control of British Parliament. The evening's events were incited by the Sons of Liberty, a revolutionary organization who'd been waiting for the perfect moment to make their voices heard. That evening, men painted their faces with soot and charcoal. They wrapped themselves in blankets and shawls. They called themselves Mohawks and swore an oath of secrecy. They resolved not to steal or vandalize anything but the tea itself and there would be no violence. At around 7 p.m., the men received their signal following the Samuel Adams speech at the Old South Meeting House. 
Under the cover of night, dozens of colonists made their way to Griffin's Wharf. There, three East India trading ships were docked with over 300 chests of tea. In absolute silence, the men boarded the three ships, the Dartmouth, the Eleanor, and the Beaver. Each one had a role. Some men watched for spies and soldiers, while others broke into the hatchways. Together, they hoisted each 400-pound chest onto the main deck and smashed them open. Then they dumped the contents and the wooden chests overboard. According to one account, a blacksmith's apprentice said, I never labored harder in my life. For the next three hours, over 100 men accomplished what they set out to do. What could have been a raucous affair was surprisingly restrained. Nothing was stolen, no one was injured by violence, and nothing was damaged. Aside from 90,000 pounds of tea, it was piled so high in the water that it actually washed back onto the decks of the ship. The colonists made their point by destroying the equivalent of 18.5 million cups of tea. The total cost amounted to around $1 million in today's money. It was a huge blow to Parliament's wallet. Little did these men know that the Boston Tea Party would soon spark a full-blown revolution. Coming up, King George III gets revenge after the Tea Party. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by The Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 platinum jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now, back to the story. On the evening of December 16, 1773, over 100 colonists boarded three ships in Griffin's Wharf and tossed 45 tons of tea into the Boston Harbor. The entire affair was an organized attempt at peaceful protest. But to King George III and the British Parliament, it meant war. My guest host Alistair is going to cover the aftermath of the Boston Tea Party. Thanks, Vanessa. Shortly after the Boston Tea Party occurred, a member of the Sons of Liberty, Paul Revere, rode to New York and Philadelphia to deliver the news. In solidarity, colonists in other East Coast cities staged their own Tea Party demonstrations. By January, not only did the Boston Harbor reek of rotting tea, but the British Parliament shut the harbor down completely. The blockade prevented colonists from receiving critical goods until those 90,000 pounds of tea were paid for. This decision came along with the Intolerable Acts, a new set of laws instituted by Parliament as a way to punish the colonists in Boston and set an example for neighboring cities. The Intolerable Acts also replaced locally elected Massachusetts officials with British authorities, granting even more power to Parliament. Instead of trying to compromise with the colonists, Parliament sent more British troops to Boston to patrol the city. 
tensions escalated and people up and down the coast prepared to boycott British goods for months and fight the crown directly. In order to establish the terms of this retaliation, 13 delegates from every colony, sans Georgia, gathered together. They met in Philadelphia in September of 1774 to form the first Continental Congress. Among them were George Washington and Patrick Henry representing Virginia, John and Samuel Adams from Massachusetts, and John Jay from New York. For the first time, some of the most influential men in the world shared their grievances about the motherland together. They drafted a letter to Parliament telling them that their boycott would begin on December 1, 1774, unless the intolerable acts were repealed. They made it clear that they would no longer accept taxation without representation and declared that every American colonist deserved the right to liberty, property, and fair representation in government. While they didn't demand their independence from the monarchy, that would soon come. In April of 1775, hundreds of British troops began moving in. The Redcoats marched towards Concord, Massachusetts, where they planned to seize a weapons facility belonging to the colonists. On April 19th, a group of 70 colonial soldiers intercepted the hundreds of British troops who'd arrived in Lexington on the way to Concord. In the tense encounter, a lone gun was suddenly fired and became known as the shot heard round the world. The first battle of the Revolutionary War had officially commenced. Eight colonists were killed with many others hurt, while only one British soldier was injured in the skirmish. It was clear that the colonists had a long fight ahead of them. For the next six years, the Revolutionary War waged. Many colonists longed for a time when they'd gain their independence from the British. Their prayers were answered on October 19, 1781. That day, American troops cornered British General Cornwallis in Yorktown, Virginia. He and his army of 8,000 men surrendered to General George Washington, marking the end of the war and the beginning of American independence. Had those 45 tons of tea never been dumped into the Boston Harbor, America might still be under British rule today. But this act of defiance has given us so much more than our independence. It's taught us how to stand up against an oppressive system, how to fight for what we believe in without fearing the consequences. And you have to hand it to those colonists, the Boston Tea Party may have been one of the most creative protests in our nation's history. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Alistair, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You can find my podcast, Medical Murders, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the Boston Tea Party, check out our episodes on the Sons of Liberty on our show, Secret Societies. They offer an in-depth look at the men behind the American Revolution. 
Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Lori Gottlieb, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Claire Cronin. I'm Vanessa Richardson.